Radio. This is Now You're Talking. I'm Sherita Brent, in for Marshall Ramsey, who's away today. Our first guest today is author and pastor Roderick Richardson of the Word Center in Jackson. In his new book, I Can't Keep Dating Like This, he offers advice about how to find the right mate and building strong relationships. Coming up later, Marshall Ramsey had the opportunity to speak with award-winning illustrator, cartoonist, and animator Tim Fielder, who was recently recognized in the New York Times for his coverage of the Democratic and Republican National Conventions. He also talks about how to pursue and achieve success in today's world through new media and being your own middleman. Send an email at any time to marshall at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent in for Marshall Ramsey, who's away today, but we'll still hear from him a little later in the show. Our first guest today is author and pastor Roderick Richardson of the Word Center in Jackson. His new book, I Can't Keep Dating Like This, he offers advice about how to find the right mate and building strong relationships. Some very interesting concepts in the book that I'm excited to get to. And coming up later, Marshall Ramsey had the opportunity to speak with award-winning illustrator, cartoonist, and animator. Tim Fielder, who was recently recognized in the New York Times for his coverage of the Democratic and Republican National Conventions. And he also talks about how to pursue and achieve success in today's world through new media and being your own middle man. You can send us an email at any time to marshall at mpbonline.org. Sam, uh, good morning to you, and thank you so much for running the board for me today. Sure, to I appreciate be, uh, it. able to sit in. I hate that Marshall's not here today, but... Uh... You know, yeah, Monday, he, so. he's away handling some family business, so I'm glad that he uh, entrusted me to fill in for him today. Big shoes to fill. Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, we're kind of doing like a, uh, it's like a next stop uh, volume two right. on Monday morning. Right. Well, uh, at the end of the show, Sam, I, I hope to get your opinion on some of the uh, Olympic things. I saw the closing ceremonies yesterday, which were just amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and an and update on the, the Ryan Lockheed thing that's going on. I know you have an opinion on those things. So. I, I do have a, I have opinions on a lot of stuff, especially sports stuff but uh, me and my wife were talking the other day i guess we get to go back to our boring regular television schedule now my grandmother was so curious to know when the olympics were going to end she was so frustrated with it being so long she said when is it going to end rita i said i don't know because every time i turned on the tv it was on and i saw an interesting study about people who won the bronze medals were kind of uh intellectual psychologically more satisfied than those who won the silver it was some kind of uh philosophy about it like if you won the silver you were more upset because you didn't win the gold yeah the so, ricky bobby philosophy i guess if you're not first you're right not, you're last or whatever but uh, right. yeah, i mean I, it's unbelievable to even win a uh win a medal anyway we had uh britney reese on a uh, season pass the show i do with jay white uh mm-hmm. and she was definitely the uh the odds on favorite for gold and she ended up winning the silver so she's probably one of those who uh who is uh, excited to win a medal but not overly excited about not winning. So, Well, there's no question who's the most athletic in the world. I mean, we racked up 121 medals yeah. total, and, I yeah. mean, it was just a grand.
grand gap. So that's just uh, awesome. Uh, we we are very happy about the United States and their performance. I saw the uh, the basketball team win oh yesterday. Gosh. I think Carmelo Anthony is going to retire now. You yeah. Know, so well, I mean, uh, you know, when you're when you're, uh, I love watching the USA win uh, win and win big. And when it was seventy three to thirty seven in the gold Oof. medal game, I was like, I think this one's on ice. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, as I mentioned today, we have a guest in studio, Pastor Roderick Richardson of the Word Center. Really excited to to talk with you. In addition to being an author, you are a pastor of the Word Center in Jackson, which is a, a growing church to say the least. But what was your journey like to, to starting your own church? Well, I wish I had a testimony of <laughs> saying that I always wanted to become a pastor. Actually, I was on my way to going to law school. Hmm. And uh, God said, no, we're calling it Audible. I don't want you to go to law school. I want you to start a church. Uh, and I said, oh, my God, he's calling me to poverty. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so, why, why do you say that? Well, because all of the, the pastors and all the preachers that I, I knew of is like they they suffered miserably. So I was like, what have I done for you to call me to pastor? Hmm. Uh, and so, um, you know, I just went ahead and accepted the call. Uh, I knew that it was going to be a struggle. Uh, the average church in America is about 50 people. Mm. Uh, so, um, so, and there we, are tons of churches. There, I mean, that's probably why, because there are churches on every corner and not all of them are flourishing. In, in Jackson, Mississippi alone, we have 900 churches registered with the Chamber of Commerce. Wow, that's amazing. Well, you know, being a pastor, I'm sure you see a lot of things. You have single people in your, your church. You have married people. You have divorced and battered and bruised and all these things. So um, apparently your experiences have led to you writing this book. Uh, so what what when did you decide that you were going to write a book about relationships in particular? Uh, well, I've been pretty much coined a relationship expert across the nation. Uh, and one day it hit me. Uh, I was playing golf with one of my single friends uh, and guy is very accomplished. Ph.D. Uh, he fits the stereotype, tall, dark and handsome, mm-hmm. uh, you know, former athlete. And he said something to me. He said, uh, Rich, well, he called me by one of my nicknames. He said, man, why get married when I can get everything that married couples get? And I say, man, you mean to tell me you're never going to get married? He say, no. For what? When? When I'm done with one, I just go to another one. Wow. And so oh, that sounds uh, medically dangerous, physically dangerous. <laughs> it, it actually does. It's actually scary. But what's even more scary is that there are people out there that are allowing him mm. to go to do those things. And right. so I said, you know, I need to write a book that deals with the issues uh, that many people face while dating. So uh, that's pretty much what the book is about. I can't keep dating like this. It's pretty much geared toward those people who are single and going through the dating process and you counsel single people. Um, what are some common mistakes, some of the, some of those that just are on the top of your head that you think people, single people make while dating or waiting, you know, to be in a relationship? Um, one of the primary uh, mistakes, first of all, let me say the book is a collection of those mistakes. So I, I don't think that there's just one mistake that uh, couples make. Um, but one of the state mistakes that I, I see that's common in and outside of the church is that people move too fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like we just met and then three months later, we're madly in love. And five months later, 
you're walking down the aisles and you never really get an opportunity to learn one another. And as a result, it comes back to bite a person because now you wake up next to a person that you never had an opportunity to know. Uh, I believe that you should date a person for at least one year. You need to go to at least one family reunion and meet all the crazy uncles, all the crazy aunts mm-hmm. and say, you know, is this something uh, that I really want to marry into? Because many times um, that person is a microcosm of their family. Mm-hmm. So it gives you an opportunity to see a holistic view of them. Now, on the flip side, you meet people who have been dating for 15, 20 years and they've just decided not to get married. Do you think the there's a the, the idea of being dating, dating for too long and making the man say, hey, go, I'm going to go ahead and marry you and make this commitment? I think many times it's psychological. Um, many times people are together for so long and they've done all the marriage things. And they say, well, uh, why uh, put it on paper? I mean, we basically, you know, been married. We've basically been living as married couples. So people say, you know, uh, we're just going to continue to do our thing uh, or what have you. So I think it's just primarily psychological. Now, now being a pastor, um, do you think that people should date those where they have similar, similar spiritual beliefs? So if I'm a Christian, do you think I should date a Christian? Should I date within the church? Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, in the book, I actually have a particular section where I deal with the pros and cons of dating inside and outside of the church. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, I have a lot of good things to say about that. Uh, however, uh, it was one particular story that I remember where uh, a good friend of mine um, in high school, he was um, Japanese and black and he has he had Buddhist roots mm-hmm. and uh, he married someone who had Baptist roots and uh, they never got marital counseling or what have you. Uh, but I remember, you know, vividly when I, I talked to them and they were going through some major issues because of their religious beliefs. Uh, Well, in the Buddhist culture, whenever the mother gets old or gets sick, she has to come stay with the oldest son. Uh Oh, (laughs) and so, of course, the time had come. It was time for her to come from California to Vicksburg and uh, they were getting ready to move her in. And the first thing that she did when she walked in the house, she said to this black woman that he had married, there's a picture of Jesus on the wall that has to come down. Hmm. And so right then uh, they begin to uh, get into major conflict over the religious differences. Well, they never did premarital counseling and they never really understood the cultural differences that they had when it came to religious beliefs. So as a result, they're divorced today because of primarily because of those religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. You know, it it seems like uh, in modern times, things are different from the traditional relationship values where you would wait for a man to ask you on a date. You know, some women are flipping it around. If they see a man they're interested in, they are going to ask. What are your thoughts on a woman waiting to to be selected by a man? Or do you think it's okay for a woman to pursue a man? I'm traditional when it comes to that. Okay. Um, you know, I see the YouTube videos where ladies uh, are on one knee asking a man to marry them and pursuing them. I, I'm traditional. I believe that the man should initiate that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe that a man should pursue a woman, but a woman has to be prepared to be pursued. Oh, that's good. So there has to be a balance between playing hard to get and allowing him to find me. Mm -hmm. The word clearly states he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So I think that you have to be available and be prepared when that person does arrive. Because many times I find ladies that, you know, they, they have an idea of wanting to be married, but they're not prepared to bring something to the table in marriage. Mm -hmm. So 
What about this idea? Uh, you talk about this in the book of, of having a list. Many oh. people have a list. Oh, he has to be tall, dark, handsome. He has to have a Ph.D. He has to have this. I mean, you want to have expectations and requirements, right? But should you have a list? And if they don't meet every demand on the list, do you just say, OK, uh, you know, you're not the not the one. I'm going to wait till I get the perfect man or woman. Well, the problem is, Rita, how did you come about with that list? Hmm. Uh, we are a collection of our experiences, teachings and observations. So many times, you know, we, we, we come up with this list based on who we saw on TV. Uh, they have to be shaped like Holly Berry and or look uh, like Denzel, you know, look like yes. Denzel, or, <laughs> you know, have the money of Tyler Perry. And uh, they have to, have, you know, so many times we, we have this list based on the things that we saw on TV. The problem is everything that we see on TV is not real. True. So many times we concoct this list that is based on a faulty premise. So now we're looking for people that have to have the 700 credit score that has to be tall, dark and handsome, has to have the six pack, uh, no kids, never been divorced. And the problem is we're looking for somebody that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so you're frustrated that people never um, meet the requirements that you have set, the standards that you have set on your list, well, that person doesn't exist on the earth. Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is be realistic about some of the things that I will not capitulate, I will not give in to. Uh, for example, my wife said, um, you know, when we were dating in college, she said, if you had kids, I wouldn't have dated you. That was a standard that she had. And that's okay. That's realistic. But if you're 40 years old, how likely are you to find someone who has no kids, never been married, have a perfect credit score, right? and they're thin and they have a six pack? Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's not likely. It's not likely. So what I'm suggesting in the book is that you take a, a look at your list and see where did it come from? Uh, also not where, where did it come from? What happens as we get older, that, that particular list begins to diminish. Uh, we have such high standards in our (laughs) twenties and then, you know, this person has to have the credit score. They have to have this shape. They have to make this much money. By the time you're 30, no one has asked you for a date and you can't find this person. So now they just have to have a pretty good credit score. Not that many kids, only one baby's mama, two packs. Yeah. Two packs, you know, (laughs) you know, and then by the time you hit 40, you're like, well, I'll settle for a keg, (laughs) you know, (laughs) right. That list has diminished, um, you know, uh, quite a bit, but, um, this proverbial list, uh, I think, I don't think you need to do away with it. We should have standards, but I think that people need to evaluate their list because there may not be anyone on the earth that can meet those standards. Well, evaluate the list and evaluate themselves. You mentioned being divorced and having kids. There's a wonderful chapter in your book about baggage. And uh, you say the amount of baggage in a relationship can determine the relationship's health and longevity. So when you say baggage, how do you even identify baggage? Question number one and question number two, how do you know how much of your baggage to reveal? Because it could be a deal breaker if you you know re- reveal too much. Yes. Well, well, baggage is defined by something you're not willing to put up with. Hmm. Um, like, for example, I just gave the example of my wife. To my wife, that was considered baggage. That was considered a situation that she did not want to deal with. She did not want to deal with a woman from a prior relationship. She did not want to deal with kids from a prior relationship. So to her, in her perspective, you know, I had to honor that that was her in her eyes baggage to her. It may have not been baggage to the next person, but to her, that was baggage. So Mm -hmm. she had to say, I'm not willing to help you carry that load or carry that weight. And so I had to respect that. So, um, you know, in the dating process, the dating process is basically an extended interview. 
And so in that interview process, you're basically telling a person this, these are the do's and don'ts. These are the things that I consider baggage. These are the things that I will not put up with. Uh, for example, I have ladies who will get into a relationship and they say, look, if you ever hit me one time, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I know you may have dealt with that in the past. Uh, that's baggage that I'm not willing to deal with. Mm -hmm. You see, so you have to basically define what you are willing to put up with as it relates to baggage. Right. But I wanted to ask you about this particular quote. You said relationships are like stocks. You will risk investments on which you may never get returns. Now, to me, that's a harsh reality and an ugly truth to, to believe that I'm going to put in my all in this particular relationship and it may not work out or we may not get married or I may not get returns. How do you get to a point where you're OK with that, with with some failures that may come with failed relationships? Well, you got to make sure you learn from those particular mistakes. Uh, many times we don't learn from the, the bumps and the bruises that we garnered in a past relationship. So we take them into a new relationship. Uh, I don't, um, it was a story, a particular story that I told or what have you, where I went to a vending machine. I was hungry one time and I went to a vending machine and uh, I wanted some snacks really bad. And so I put my money in and uh, I can't remember what I was trying to get, but I was trying to get my food. And of course the natural inclination when your food doesn't come is to shake the machine. So I'm yes. shaking and I'm kicking the machine. Yeah, kicking it, beat it, you know, shoot it or whatever, you know, to get your <laughs> snacks out. You want to get your snacks out. But uh, as I, I as I realized that I wasn't going to get my snacks, uh, I began to push the change button and my change did not come out. Mm. And so finally, I looked on the side of the machine and I saw a sign that said out of order. And then I got the revelation is never invest in something that's out of order and expect change. Mm. The problem is early on in the relationship, we didn't realize that maybe this relationship was out of order. So here it is. You're trying to get some change out of something that you're not going to get a return on. Right. And so you got to realize early on visa marital counseling, as we just um, finished uh, conversing about, we got to deal with what is out of order in your life, because I may have invested in something in which I'll never get a return. I'll never get change out of, and I'll never get my snack. Wow. Well, Pastor Richards, it's definitely been a pleasure having you on. Where can people go to find your book and just get more information about you? Uh, we're uh, on all e-readers, including EBSCO Host, Amazon, Nook. Um, you can pretty much go to Amazon. You can pretty much find it anywhere. We're translated in about 26 different languages. So uh, you, can, you can get it anywhere. So if you hablo mucho espanol, you can get it there as well. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Pastor Rich, thank you so much for being on with me. We appreciate it. All right. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear the conversation with Marshall Ramsey and Tim Fielder. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Happy Monday. Hope you're having a great day. I tell you what, I am so thankful for the Mississippi Book Festival for no other reason then I get to see my Tim, my friend Tim Fielder. I get to see my Tim friend Fielder. Get that. Doing? I made that easy, man. I tell you what, seriously, if it ain't a TED Talk or a book festival, I'm not getting you in town. So I'm really glad you're here. Right. And uh, the book festival, we have to admit, I think both of us admit that this has just been a huge home run. Yeah, it has. Uh, just based upon the history of it, even though you know it's 
you know, not been around for a very long time. It's just the idea that it was founded to promote Mississippi authors right. and writers and cartoonists. Well, because, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's since I didn't properly introduce you, you are a cartoonist. You are an amazing cartoonist. Thank you. Um, you're a Glyph Award winning illustrator, a concept designer, an animator, a cartoonist, uh, producer, business guy, entrepreneur, <laughs> Uh, which you have to be these days in, in our line of work. You have to do all kinds of – you even have to do radio occasionally. Yeah, it was uh, interesting, uh, the conversation I was having with your producer. Uh, it's We exist in a world where the perception of a middleman or a gatekeeper right. no longer really exists. In They're the gone. Same. They're gone. Yeah. Well, you are simply a content creator. Right. And your job is to create – you have to finish the content. That's the yeah. important component. Right. And once you finish that content, um, the world is your oyster. You can let everybody know about it. And it's, it's really quite incredible. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's uh, with social media, with the type of platforms out there, they're all, most of them are free. Uh, it doesn't cost anything. Obviously, you have to have some equipment. But uh, you're right, because it used to be in the old days, if you're really good, you'd send your stuff off to some you know magical gate per- gatekeeper person off mm-hmm. in New York or wherever. Mm-hmm. You might get 10,000 rejection letters, and then you get that one, and then you were rich. You know, but you're famous. Now, um, you're competing against the whole world at the same time. But if you got it, you got the talent, and you got the hustle, you're going to be okay. And I think that's the case with you. You've right. definitely uh, – and I think some of the niches that you've carved out, I want to get you to talk about some of them, have been nothing short of amazing. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, I think the word hustle – the word hustle is so very, very important because it really is you are your own publicist. Right. You are the one who is responsible for promoting. Yeah. You're the person who is responsible for your graphics, right. for your website, for your outreach, all of those different things. And you know what I found out? You actually don't have to be that good at it. You just have to do it. Right. You just have to do it. And that is the thing that has been so great. And answering your question as to getting into these niche type of things you know energy is a very interesting thing marshall mm-hmm. as you you will know it, it's like it, it, it's like a snowball effect it just builds over time and what i found is just related being a comic book artist back in the 80s and 90s uh, was very much about the editor class, the yes. editor and publisher class, you know, as you said, you know, if they woke up on the wrong side of the bed, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, they, they, they coin, a coin flick got lodged in their throat, you don't know what it is, they could destroy your career just by not choosing you or not anointing right. you. And now we exist in a reality where, those people are out of work. <laughs> That's right. And you just simply have to create your content. You to the point where I don't even know I mean, it's using the term social media is convenient. Yeah. But it really just media. Right. It's just it's just a new way. Of course, to our kids, it's not new to them. That's just the way. Yeah, they came to, out of the womb using that's it. What I'm right. To us, is is new. Yeah. But it really is just about disseminating that content right. and awareness of that content. Exactly. And that's why it's it's been so important. So where I am at present, right? You're here. Yes, I am. <laughs> in I this am, room. I am here in this room. But what I found is that if you do enough of it, yeah, you begin to attract old media. That's right. If you do enough new media and you are draconian about it and use that term on purpose, you begin to attract old media because old media is forced 
to constantly keep their fingers on new media because they are very slow to adapt. Right. And uh, that has just, uh, within the last few weeks, I created a new form of cartooning, editorial cartoon. I could not believe I had done that uh, by working with the New York Times. It's absolutely incredible. Well, tell me a little bit more about that because I may steal that idea since, yeah, no, uh, no, since you, I'm one of the old school editorial cartoonists. Well, I was uh, I got my start in cartooning by Joyce Brabner. Who oh, she, yeah. she she doesn't mind people saying that she's the widow of Harvey Picard. Yep. So if anyone's seen the movie uh, uh, American Splendor, the the weird lady with the glasses, that's who gave me my start in comics. And uh, the she contacted me. I was meeting with a book agent. She said, "Tim, you know Tim, uh, I have this opportunity. I want you to 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 come uh, to Cleveland." So I said, "Yes, I would do it." Sure. And a large part of what you and I do is just about saying yes, right? And yes is not just the physical, verbal, yes. you know, verbal. Right. Yes, it's not that. <laughs> yeah, it's that. But it's the actual creation of that work. That's what a yes is. That's right. A yes is a physical action. So uh, I, I, she organized this thing called Comics Cast. And her job was to get a crack team of cartoonists, which I'm definitely going to do everything I can to get you to go <laughs> to the next Comics Cast thing. And we would protest Donald Trump. Excellent. And everything that was happening at the Republican National Convention mm-hmm. in Cleveland. And everyone, all of the, my, my comics cast mates, they're great, uh, but all of them are analog. Right. Uh, myself, however, I'm digital. I work on a tablet. Isn't it amazing the Apple Pro, for um, the iPad Pro, for instance, with the pencil? I mean, I use that. I mean, that's almost as good as using markers. It, it is. It is. Uh, I, however, use the Wacom Cintiq. Yes, fantastic. I use, I use the hybrid. Yeah. And, uh, but I also have something else that is a bit weird. I have a person who I can work with who films me drawing, and he is my identical twin brother, Jim Fielder. And so what we did during the Republican National Convention is we recorded uh, interviews where we would both interview a subject. I would draw it on a tablet. My brother would record it also while doing the interview. Exactly. And we called it glogging. Yep. So if blogging is uh, digital journalism with words, and vlogging is digital journalism with video. Blogging is digital journalism with graphics, which you are already a blogger right. because right. you work within that digital medium. Uh, and so we did that and created what's called the Diesel Funk Show. Uh, and uh, we are making 13 episodes, and we're about six episodes in. That's fantastic. We did two episodes on the RNC. We've done, we went to Cleveland, did two episodes on the DNC, Democratic National Convention in Philly, which was absolutely insane. And uh, this new form, it, that had never been done before. See, and I think you just touched on something because um, so many people try to break into the business by doing things that have already been done. Yeah. But there's already been people that have done it and done it well. But you touch on some. I think people don't necessarily want to be educated at this point. They want to be entertained. Yes. And if you can create something new and flashy that breaks out of all the noise. Yes. Because, like I said, back in the old day when we had the traditional channels like the newspaper mm-hmm. or television or mm-hmm. radio, mm-hmm. you could control yes. the channel. That's right. Now there's so much out there. That's right. That you have to be awesome and individual, and you've got the talent to begin with, but you've got the entrepreneurial spirit to go with it. That's that's really what it is, and yeah. and, and part of that is is frankly, uh, 
you know, I look at people who who uh, are out there doing their thing, and I imitate them. Right. For example, there's this guy. Uh, his name is uh, Marshall Ramsey. Yeah, he's a real hack. He he, yeah. he 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 calls himself a hack, but in fact, he is in fact an innovator because he is able to take. And it started out as a matter of fact. I believe he started out as a janitor at one point. He was very good at that. Yes, yeah, yeah. very good I, at probably, it. Probably probably <laughs> out did a skill set you know, there. But uh, but all joking aside, what you've done is you've taken this thing which can exist in any format, and you've given it a forum to be able to merge or morph into any format. Right. And that's all it really is. And it's about innovating, not just on the fly, but it's innovating as a matter of survival. Right. Yeah, that's the end of the day. We got to right. eat. We got to eat. And you know, you learned that early on in the comic book business. Yes, yes. Yeah. And there was lots of not eating uh, <laughs> in the early days of the comic book industry because I was in the comic book industry in the 80s and 90s, back when most people don't realize that Marvel Comics, who I worked for, declared bankruptcy. That's right. So hard to believe that now you yeah. see all the success they've It's had. this Disney, uh, you know, monstrosity. Right. You know? And in the 80s and 90s, you know, the, that's what happened. So now that I have been back in the comic book industry, formally now for about two and a half years, I love this comic book industry, man. I love it because I can do whatever I want to do. I do Maddie's Rocket. Uh, I do, which is the thing I'm mostly known for. Yeah, tell me the story about Maddie's Rocket because I love the backstory on mm -hmm. this and who, you know, because you told this last year at the, at, at the um, book festival mm -hmm. and it's just like, that's brilliant. Well, thank you. Uh, actually, uh, and, and, and this is the part I guess I didn't go so much into, Maddie's Rocket is an old concept from yeah. 1993. Okay. And the publisher, which was, I think I had shown it to a gentleman at DC uh, Comics, uh, he loved it. But then he died. That's and, awkward. Yeah, that was kind of awkward. Yeah. And when he died, suddenly the interest for the concept went away right. because everything was about the publishers. But quiet. going back to it, the gatekeeper's gone now, that's so right. you can get it out there and find an audience. And that's exactly what happened. So I tried to do Maddie as animation for several years, and I yeah. got a lot done. And you learned animation at that point. Well, that's you know that's also realized that one has to you know you kind of take it easy on yourself. You can't say, man, I'm doing this animation; it's not going anywhere. It's like no, that's what you think at the moment but now those skills allow me to set myself apart yeah from the people who i'm in the industry with they're like wow this guy has this this thing going but man here are this you know i'm doing a concept called prison city with uh david f walker who writes power man oh, Fist, yeah. and occupy avengers you know it's really you know amazing and we're doing this concept called prison city but the website and the media thing that i've built around it is all based on motion graphics, right. fake commercials like Paul Verhoeven from RoboCop. And the fact that I know how to do animation allows me to be able to add that extra bit of stank yeah. on top of what uh, what I do. And uh, that's so liberating. You've touched on something. I think that everybody with a dream and everybody that has talent should remember that no experiments fail. Because even though, you, like you said, the animation didn't pan out right away, <laughs> You learned a skill set that you now can take a hold of. So anytime you're doing it, you're changing the playing field mm -hmm. when you do that. So I'm, I'm inspired here. I'm going to start yeah. doing something worth my life. Also, I think um, don't be so hesitant to not use being appalled right. to force yourself to get up and do something. Yeah. It's like, wow, you're going to not cover my book because of some issue? Oh, I'll cover my own book. 
Exactly. That's the thing that you can do. You no longer have to ask permission. If you, and particularly, you know, it's something I tell my students at New York Film Academy. I warn them, you know, I teach storyboarding there. And I say, yeah, guys, I said, you guys are the first generation to have uh, a specific problem that no generation prior to you has had. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, well, I'm, you know, about to turn 50. I said, my career wouldn't traditionally be winding down now. Right. I said, my career, career is now picking up. I said, it's because I have the technical ability to create this content. And because of the stream, which is any kind of streaming data, you know, film content. Heck, we're doing it here. Right. You know, with this. And as that content goes out, people are so desperate for content that they are no longer able to discriminate on you know, it's not about, oh, are you young and sexy? It's about, right. can you actually produce the content? That people want to see. That's right. right. Exactly. That's right. And, and think about it. 1980, mm-hmm. CNN came along, cable, yep. That's right. and, and suddenly everybody was hungry for stuff for cable. Well, That's that right. was like 48 channels. That's right. Now we got the unlimited bandwidth. That's right. So That's right. And and uh, as a result of that, we we have the ability to to completely reform it's almost like the matrix we can control and form the matrix as we see fit yeah, <laughs> that type of thing. yeah. so it, it it's it's a tremendous environment to be in yeah um um and uh i i've I, man I, I it's a wonder for my children to see it yeah it's a wonder to be able to work with my brother to see it uh it's a, my family is listening to this now you know, uh, you know, Maddie's Rocket is named after my great grandmother. Which well, that's the cool part. I thought that yeah. was really neat. Her name was Maddie Waddy, and uh, she was a full-blooded Choctaw Indian, I believe. And uh, I wanted to name the character after her because, you know, a lot of large part of Black um, American life is about gaps. There are things that, you know, the, the general public, you know, normally seen as white. That would be me, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, had access to that black, the black community did not right. have access to. Right, I had so, Buck Rogers. That's right. Yeah. And so Maddie's Rocket is essentially saying, oh, I wonder what would have happened if Oscar Michaud was this fantastic filmmaker from the 40s and 50s, black filmmaker, had made his own science fiction B-movie with Lena Horne in the main role. And that's what stylistically Maddie's Rocket is. Yeah. But I want to connect it to my family, to my mother and my father who are still, God, you know, blessing they're still here with us. I wanted them to see what it would have looked like had they... Had they been able to have that. Yes. So it's a little retro, but it's futuristic at the same time. Uh, it's, it's retrofuturism. Exactly. Yeah, which exactly. is a crazy name. I love that. I'll <laughs> tell you what, let's take a quick break. Okay. We're with Tim Fielder right now. He's, of course, an award-winning illustrator from Mississippi, living in New York now, because, you know, he, he missed all the uh, people, so he wanted to get around some more, <laughs> definitely. And he's, he's, of course, been in town for the, the second annual book festival. Also has a fantastic TED Talk. You can find that at TEDx Jackson from last year. I highly recommend it. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm having a great Monday. I am. Because I got Tim Fielder in the studio. Hello. Uh, yeah, Tim and I get to bump into each other whenever we do presentations. So it's a it's a huge honor to have him here. An incredibly talented cartoonist, illustrator, filmmaker. Thank you, you name. You do all kinds of things. Uh, what I'm proud of you for is you're an entrepreneur and you're a good teacher too. You 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 you've been actually um, visiting schools and doing that too. Yeah, I I in fact uh, I uh, have a. Uh, Darko and Catherine Serenic, uh-huh. uh, they are uh, involved with uh, Brown Elementary, and they have their own firm that they're developing uh, to essentially bring maker and innovation uh, technologies to Jackson Public Schools. Excellent. And uh, they have been gracious uh, enough to allow me to come in and to do my you know entertainment thing, which is really all that teaching is, you know. Exactly. And, <laughs> like I said, people want to be entertained. They want to be entertained, right. you know. And they have allowed me to come in. And there are times when I've been physically on site. Yeah. And there have been other times when I've actually skyped in and taught my class from my studio. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's like there are no borders. Right. And uh, I love teaching. Uh, I think uh, I have to I have to concede that it's something I will be doing for the rest of my life yeah. to a certain extent, oh, some, sure. sometimes more, sometimes less. And uh, it informs my work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a joy to do it. I don't know. You know, for me, I remember being a, as a kid, I went to go to the library at Mar- Marietta, Georgia, is where I grew mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. I remember going to the library and there was a guy there named Bill Daniel. Mm-hmm. And Bill Daniels uh, drew giant, painted giant boards that they ran the camera along on on WSB TV. They were actually visual editorial cartoons on TV. You don't ever see that. Mm -hmm. And then he went on to become the lead illustrator at the Weather Channel and did that for years. Mm -hmm. But this guy, he took the time with me as a kid Mm -hmm. to look at my stuff and give me encouragement. Guess what? Guess what I do for a living? Mm -hmm. And so that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But somebody did that to you back when you were in Clarksdale when you were a kid, didn't they? Yeah. uh, The two people who, uh, well, there's actually four people. Okay. Yeah, uh, the the three of them were my siblings. Yes, uh, you know, uh, as the youngest sibling, you have no decision making power on what content, none whatsoever, what entertainment. <laughs> uh, you don't get to name pets or anything. You know, nothing, you know. So I was forced to read comics because that's all that they would get. Right, no one would get anything I wanted to get. So I'm the person who stuck with it. So my oldest brother, Arthur, uh, Boston, my second oldest, and my twin brother. We all engage in comics, and all of us are artists. Wow. Uh, and, and, you know, we are not the athletes that my father would have desired. <laughs> you know, I have no athletic athletic ability. Uh, and the other person, uh, well, actually two people, uh, um, uh, Mr. Dorsey and Mr. Richardson, they taught at the art department on the junior college campus I grew up in. And to, to see those guys, they, they were not necessarily uh, fine artists per se. They were Straight up craftsmen. Yeah. They could do that sign and just the time and the effort it would take to make that line and just listen to that bad radio. I said, Mr. Richardson, why why are you listening to this radio? Oh, it's just it's just filler. And he would do that. And so I grew up with that. I grew up with Bob Ross. Oh yes. Who yeah. yeah. Happy little trees. This this thing I'm doing now is I, I always tell people say, Well, what is this thing you're doing with this diesel function? I say, take the property brothers on H D T V, uh 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 Charlie Rose and Bob Ross 
and mix it together. That's what I do. And I just realized I'm pulling from all the things like you were saying about right. the gentleman who, who uh, influenced you. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And, man, just go in them there hills. Move quickly. That's what I tell everybody. Move fast. Well, that's that's something, too, that I think is really important. If you're in your field or mm-hmm. what I do or anything else, mm-hmm. you can't totally fall in love with what you're doing because if something doesn't work, you got to let it go. And that's hard. Yeah, you have to adjust the perspective. I'm starting to realize also, though, mm-hmm. that sometimes the shifting of that 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 perspective isn't that heavy. It's just saying, okay, you can't do it as animation. You have to do it as comics. Right. Or you can't do the right. the cartooning for the newspaper. You have to do it for a website. Or you're able to go back That's 20 right. years and pull something back to the future. Oh, my goodness. That's what's happened. Yeah. I did a show called Black Metropolis. Yeah. And uh, recently, and it uh, it collected thirty years of all this unpublished work. Yeah, and there were I could have put up a thousand pieces. It wasn't enough room, and it was a big success to the point that uh, very soon, New York Times article will be coming out on on that show. I was very. That's got to be. You got to hate that. I, I I hate it so profusely. I just there are t- times I just think I must be cursed. Yeah, bless your heart. Yeah. <laughs> so, but congratulations. Thank you. It, it's just one of those things where, um, you you. My wife was crying and she was like, "Tim, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. I said, Why are you crying, babe? Don't cry. Yeah. I'm gonna start crying." And she says, "All that work was that all the stuff that was in that portfolio case in the hallway? I've been begging you to move." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, babe." So that's 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 what it is. There, you, there is nothing that's dead anymore. Everything can be resurrected and repurposed for any format. Well, I think you're right because I mean, I look at I do like six or seven channels. Right. I mean, I do from you know, mm-hmm. Pinterest, Instagram. Mm-hmm. You do a little. I do a little Snapchat. Mm-hmm. But I mean, all these are they require different kinds of stuff. That's right. And so if you've got the stuff sitting around, guess what? You got instant content. That's right. And it's kind of nice. You know, sit down, and spend four hours drawing something. Uh, the challenge for Marshall Ramsey is to learn After Effects and to apply motion graphics to his cartoon. That is my next one. So yes. he can make a TV show. That would be nice. I need to move to Harlem. And no, 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 no. There's this thing well, called true. Google Hangouts. Yeah. Which we can interface with one another without you having to leave your studio. Ooh, that would be nice. Yeah, we'll do it. Don't worry, okay. we'll work it out. Okay. Well, we obviously know where we're going. <laughs> Thank you. As you can tell, uh, this will be the last radio show. <laughs> Just kidding. Everybody's like going, yes. All right. On that. I, I, um, your TED Talk. Talk about that. Because you and I both did it. And, of course, Sharita was the, the host yes, of that was. TEDx. I mean, to get asked to do a TED Talk had to be pretty darn cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, the TEDx or, uh, organization here, yeah, David Farr and, and uh, uh, Nina Parikh. And, uh, you got to come home to do it. Yeah, too. yeah. Yeah. You know, it was it was great to to be asked to do it. I went through like 11 iterations. Uh, Pam Shaw was mm-hmm. incredible with that. And it allowed me to essentially uh, – Take what I wanted to talk about, but eliminate all of the bad stuff. Right. Eliminate all everything that was unessential. And it also allowed me, I had to puncture my ego. I'm serious. No, there no, was no, a point no, where during, during rehearsal where yeah. it was clear that they were like, well, Tim, we love these photos you have in the Shell Nichols and, and, and Billy D. Williams from Star Wars and Star Trek. But, you know, if you use those photos, you're not going to really be able to play the thing. So and I was like, man, you've traveled all this way. Is the idea to do the best TED Talk you can that will reach as many people as you can? Or is it to, 
you know, oh, no, I, I want to keep this precious thing myself. Yeah. I end up drawing the pictures. Which was a hundred times more a effective. A billion times better. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about learning to let go. Yeah. And that's what my TED Talk was and talk about the things that were important to me. And uh, I am, it's it's made such a tremendous difference in my career, my life, and uh God, everyone should 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 try to do that. Well, I mean, you were cooking with Grace last year, and I think things are going really well this year. It's just yeah. it's fun for me as an, kind of an outside observer to watch the difference in the last year. And because I mean, number one, you're a good guy. I like you. I like good things to happen to you. But it's amazing to watch it starting to take off. Like you said, most of the time when you're our age, mm-hmm. um, things start heading downhill a little bit because yeah. you you go out and play golf or right. something crazy, which right. I don't play golf. But mm-hmm. you get the point. And now it's like. I'm actually having more fun. You're having more fun. That's part of the joy of this, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, the other part of it is you're my competitor. That's right. You're and, my competitor. And, uh, uh, and, well, and you're, then you're going to be okay. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> my, no, no. I'm saying friendly comp- uh, competition. I'm saying oh, we're that, competing against the whole world now. Yeah, but I don't know the whole world. Right. I am looking at people who I am seeing, and these people are innovating. Yeah. And I'm I read what you do, and I'm saying, okay, this okay, all right. Now I can't do that quite like that because you know I can't do this, but man, I could do this. And I'm I'm I take people who I know are moving forward, and I imitate them. Yeah, that's all it is. It is exactly. It's like making gumbo. You take a little that's bit what, of this and a little bit of that. That's it. You're good. That's it. Tim, I know you've got to run. You've got your schedule so incredibly busy. But is there anything else you'd like to add? Yes, uh, I want to say thank you, Marshall Ramsey, for allowing me to come here and to talk yeah anytime uh, well yeah but you didn't have to do that i know but i like having you on yeah but you didn't even have to do that and i appreciate it uh i thank you for that because my family you know my the lots and the, the youngs are from mississippi and they 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 uh the fielders you know they i i want them to know what it is that i do and that 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 their lineage means something yeah. moving forward and thank you for giving me that opportunity. I appreciate it, man. I tell you, one of the coolest moments for me was I was giving a speech, and my dad came up to me after me. He passed away last month. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. He came up to me and said, um, you're the first person I ever knew that knew what they were going to do at eight and did it. Yeah. And then, you know, when you find that, and, and that's why probably your family's feeling right now. Well, imagine your dad said that to you. That's immortality. Yeah. That's, he did something that extends extended his bloodline in an innovative way. Right. And that's going to pass on to your children. Eventually, you know, we're going to turn out to be slubs, and these kids are going to be doing stuff that's oh, no amazing. no kidding. But uh, that's, they, they, he gave you are, you are his immortality. Exactly. And that's a, a, a wonderful gift to receive from a parent. Tim, throw out your website real quick. So, yeah, dieselfunk.com uh, is my website. Uh, you can check out uh, dieselfunkshow.com. You can also check out afrofuturefest.com. And those are my sites. Excellent. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Uh. 
and welcome back to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, and for Marshall Ramsey today, who is away. But I'm in the studio with Sam Wells. We have just a few minutes to chat here. Sam, uh, did you enjoy the show today? I know you enjoyed the pastor's relationship advice. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I just got married, so uh, we we uh, we totally agree on uh, how people are rushing into stuff, man. Oh, yes. I don't know how. I, I have some friends of mine who meet people, and then like two months later, they're like, oh, I'm engaged. And I'm like, ah, oh, what a mistake. <laughs> what a terrible idea. This, this seems like on the outside yeah um there are some love stories but a kind of sad story the uh, bulldog who was at mississippi state university the mascot died just short of his 11th birthday now are you an old miss or mississippi state fan uh, sam i can't remember I'm i can't big, remember i'm a big uh old miss alum uh, <laughs> and my wife ironically is a big mississippi state season ticket holder football fan alum and all that stuff so she actually mentioned this to me yesterday um mm-hmm. and uh of course you never want to see an animal pass away or no not like a that. beloved animal like that either uh, so uh so you know i uh i was telling you a story i think the first mascot that mississippi state had uh back in the 20s or 30s i think oh the old Miss students kidnapped the dog painted the dog red and blue and actually like people don't you didn't know things that you know now back mm-hmm. then and the dog actually died of uh, like suffocation due to paint oh no <laughs> so that sounds tragic. awful story <laughs> but uh you know now of course people don't really do pranks like that and, uh, and stuff anymore so it is uh it's terrible what a great last game for the dog though of course he got he uh i have to throw it in here he was at the egg bowl when Ole Miss won in uh, 2014 but he <laughs> ended his career in the orange bowl which is mississippi state's first new year's day bowl game in uh in a while yeah, so. that's a great way to go out. And and I'll be honest, I'm a little sad that the Olympics have ended. It was always something for me to look forward to when I got home. And we were talking just a little bit about why uh, we think the, the U.S. has just been so dominant in the Olympics. I had a friend that asked me, did I think all of the U.S. athletes were on steroids? And I said, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I said, it's probably a matter of resources. You know, here in, in the USA, we have a lot of resources. And in other countries, uh, they may be impoverished, so they don't have the same resources when it comes to training and things like that. But you brought up a good idea about uh, climate. Yeah, coaching is good uh, in the USA, and uh, climate is a huge thing. I mean, a lot of you can train in the in the United States for literally any sport you can think of, be it summer or winter Olympic sports, uh, because you know you have a tropical climate in Miami, you have snow and skiing and things like that in Colorado. A lot of the mm-hmm. a lot of the luge and bobsled uh, athletes train up in the uh, in the north northeast and uh, the buffalo massachusetts area and then of course the curling like the capital of curling in america and in the world is like minnesota mm-hmm. um so i mean you know people do uh all sorts of things like that and these new sports to the snowboarding and things like that skateboarding will be a sport in the uh in the olympics come uh come 2020 in tokyo and of really course, you know a big yeah and a lot of people do that in california i mean it's a huge thing and of course the snowboarding in in colorado so uh, you know america is very rich in its uh and it's uh climate and its resources for uh for everything a lot of those players a lot of those track athletes are, are in college in america mm-hmm. so, yeah you uh, said a lot of the athletes already train yeah, here so a lot of them train here anyway and a couple of the jamaican sprinters uh are arkansas razorbacks actually wow so. well last uh thing i'm gonna get your thoughts on is ryan Lockie. or can, can we forgive him now he's apologized and said that he was uh, inebriated and so he didn't remember all the details so can we forgive him now and move on or is this just going to be uh, a cross he's going to have to bear for some time now oh in today's society he'll, he'll bear this cross for the rest of his life i'm sure <laughs> i've forgiven him uh 
you know, the guy works hard. Him and Michael Phelps and all these athletes train, you know, their entire lives to do this stuff. Guy wanted to blow off a little steam. He didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. He came clean. He said he was sorry. I mean, I think we need to turn the page and move on. Just let it go. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm so excited about the Olympics and uh, 121 medals for the United States. So that's awesome. And congratulations to everyone else as well. Uh, I'm Sharita Brent. I was in for Marshall Ramsey today. If you didn't get to call, you can send an email to marshall at mpbonline.org. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast for now you're talking. Just go to mpbonline.org. And if you have a, a podcast app, you can download that way as well. Thanks so much for listening, folks, and stay tuned. Southern Remedy is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio.